Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We've got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about hope, which I think is such an interesting and important concept, especially in a time like this. I think for many, it can be an understandably very foreign concept. How do I even believe that something good is to come next or even out of what's happening around us? Hard to hold on to, but very important. And uh, we're also going to be talking about how to be a better friend. Again, I love introspection. And now we have more downtime. Some of us, some of us are in complete overload. God bless sending out so much care and support for those that are juggling even more now. So than before others, a lot of downtime. So doing something introspective, God, what a beautiful use of this time. So we'll be talking about how to be a better friend. Again, as always, a lot of skill sets with being a good partner or a parent or a colleague or a friend kind of apply ubiquitously to all those different roles and identities. But we're going to zero in specifically on being a good friend because, uh, Hey, who doesn't want to be a better friend or have a better friend? Um, Relationships, man, you know, in the beginning we were laughing saying, is there going to be a baby boom? There's going to be a baby boom, right? A lot of people are at home, they're bored, you know, things are going to happen. Uh, Quite the opposite. We were tracking the rates of relationships ending and the divorces, although there's a multitude of people that have built relationships during COVID, in fact, moved in together maybe sooner than they wanted to, and they're thriving and doing well. So what are some things that we want to uh, think about? If we want to work really hard on staying together, right? What do we want to consider before we break up? Well, some people are used to really chaotic relationships. And even though they might be able to use that word and they see it as such, they're not familiar with the lower level of energy or drama that a standard healthy relationship has. And they start to see those really high highs and low lows as normal. They even seek them. And then when they find something healthy, it can feel boring. They can look around saying, wait a minute, am I bored? Or is this what a healthy relationship feels like? And sometimes it's that's what a healthy relationship feels like. It's not always stoked again by high highs or low lows. And that's kind of what happens is when you give up on those low lows, you miss out on some of those really spiked highs. Not that that can't exist in a healthy relationship. A lot of joy absolutely can. A lot of fun absolutely can. But again, it's those moments where you're kind of just in the maintenance phase because you're compatible. You're healthy. You get along. There's not a lot of repair or drama. And so it's a lot of maintenance, right? So the first one is if you think you're bored 
or you're unsure if it's boredom, work on bringing more excitement, newness, and dynamicism into your relationship, which can happen at any time. At any time, you can start trying to build that in. You can start making plans. You can start trying to make time together more interesting, more intentional, not just two bodies that are you know near each other or bumping around. Start to actually say, right, what, what do we need to do to kind of breathe some new life into this? Choose some new things, what we call growth enhancing activities. Choose some things to do together that are new for both of you. That's how you tap into and bring out new parts of yourself, but also your partner and the relationship by experiencing new things together, right? Not doing the same old standard and comfortable. So make a list of really great things to do, which right now there's tons of free things you can do, but that's how you really assess whether or not it's the relationship, my partner, or is it just that we've fallen into a habit and a pattern? Because that's also what happens is we get used to just doing what we do and there's a familiarity and comfort in that, but that can make the relationship start to feel really boring. So again, it's all about growth enhancing activities, things that incorporate new novel experiences and parts of ourselves. So new places. And and that kind of goes back to the whole thing is that relationships aren't something you get. And once you have it, you're done. It's something you keep working on. It's a verb. You're dating. You're always relationshiping. You're always romancing. So make sure if you can answer that question, how have you been relationshiping? What have you done? What have you done that was about the relationship or centering it or thinking about it or focused on it or in service of of it because oftentimes it's just this abstract thing that we have or we're participating in but yet not really really engaging it or our partner right so that goes back to the first point always keep building in those new dynamic things I make lists as I'm moving through my day or the week around interesting things that I hear about that I want to go do and try so that when downtime emerges I, I have these great ideas or it's things to plan right because there's something about the intentionality in it that can make it really fun um, and consistent, right? Not waiting until we feel so bored or disconnected that we then try to implement, uh, excuse me, imp- implant or implement these things. But we already kind of already, we always have it going. Um, cause again, don't get too familiar with the idea or comfortable thinking because their body is often near mine on the couch at home in bed together at night, that that means we have a lot of intimacy or we're working on the relationship because it's, it's bigger than that. And then finally allowing yourself to really celebrate and, and, and acknowledge like, positives. When you see your partner do something that's meaningful to you, or you think that's meaningful to them, call it out. Really celebrate what's going on in both people's lives, right? That's how we feel connected. That's how we feel cared for. And some couples and individuals are far more familiar and comfortable calling out problems or disappointments, but they're not good about calling out things that felt good or meant a lot, you know what I mean? Or asking for those things. And so become that person. That'll just serve you in all your relationships, right? Because that's something everyone wants to be a part of. All right. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the store. So weigh in on that. And coming up next, we're going to talk about hope. Yep, it's a beautiful thing. We need a lot of it. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about hope, hope and hopelessness. Something I heard a lot of people really struggling with when the election time was happening, right? Wondering man, is it ridiculous to hold hope that possibly this time Trump will get defeated? And uh, what would that even mean? What would it mean if Trump won again? And there was very, there was little hope in the beginning. All of us were shocked that he got elected the first time. And as the year, you know, winds down and we're still in COVID lockdown, it's really hard for people to have hope or be hopeful. Even though we see shift coming, Biden's in office, right? 
better selection than, than Trump. So that will create some needed change. We know that the vaccines, you know, it's literally called Operation Warp Speed. And we're thinking it could be released as soon as December for frontline workers and then the rest of us into the new year. There's hope in that, but that doesn't mean that all the, you know, situations and traumas and uh, disappointments that have been woven in aren't still things that we have to resolve. I know I've personally just seen my personality change as a result of self-isolating for so many months, not being out in the world, not being in my office, not going to all the different things I like to do as forms of self-care, not seeing my friends, not participating in my own primary relationship in the way I want to. Those things really can beat someone down. And I'm curious what my personality will be like when I come out of this. I've also tried to use this time to, to make it very transformative. Um, so hope and, and hopefulness and hopelessness they're not always even an ongoing perspective or feeling in our body. Sometimes they ebb and they flow. We, we hear that the vaccine's on its way. Great, we have more hope. Biden gets elected, more hope. But let's kind of break down just the sense and science of hopelessness. Now, the problem is that we tend to universalize, meaning when there's one area of our life that maybe feels very bad or very low, we tend to make it, well, we tend to allow it maybe to be a perspective through which we see everything. I talked a couple weeks ago on the show about this concept of we want to remember to compartmentalize. Compartmentalization is often a very good thing. And what I mean by that is if we have a bad moment, we don't want to let it be a, a bad day. You know, and it's very common for us to start the morning. We're not feeling great. We drop our, this. I'll tell my story. I'll drop my smoothie, my morning smoothie on the ground. I'll spill something on myself and it's like, great. Today's obviously going to be a bad day. No, I'm having a bad moment or a bad morning or something bad happened, but something bad happening doesn't need to be a bad morning. A bad morning doesn't need to be a bad day. A bad day doesn't need to be a bad week. And we have to remember that. Just let it be that that space, that moment, or around that topic. We don't have to decide that this whole year is horrible, this whole month, my whole life. But we tend to do that. We tend to do that. We tend to not be able to think outside of the current feeling or emotion we're having. And again, it has been an especially heinous year in a lot of ways. So I do understand that it's really taught us that more is possible than we could imagine. I, I don't believe that we saw you know, the pandemic coming or the devastation that it was going to create, right? It's been heinous. Loss of jobs, loss of, loss of finances, loss of relationships, loss of lives. It's been really heinous. So understandably, one can say what could possibly come next. But nonetheless, what's more honest is there's also a lot of good and joy to come. So hopelessness, as I'm saying, is that extreme thinking. It's been a, it's a horrible year. It's a horrible day. It's a horrible month. And that's not necessarily true. So we want to be thoughtful about applying those labels, right? Because the one thing we do know, and this is, you know, very much a, a main tenant of uh, Eastern philosophy is the idea that it's, it's, everything's always changing. We are changing moment by moment. Life is changing moment by moment. And we never know what's coming tonight or tomorrow, both good, both bad. But if we can hold a curiosity for that, cause that's kind of the word we want. Be curious. I wonder what's going to happen next, but we do that in a neutral way. You know, I'm curious how this situation that feels so bad gets to change cause everything changes, but we don't want to do the, the good, bad thinking where everything's all good or everything's all bad. So be very thoughtful about the application of those labels because your emotions very much align with that kind of perspective. Um, the second thing you always want to be aware of is not fully committing to the fact 
that everything's hopeless. You want to not commit to that. Don't resign yourself to the fact that, yes, the whole rest of the year is horrible. This whole year has been, you know, horrible. Nothing good is going to come of it. Well, you don't know that. And maybe that is correct, that it won't be great. But you don't know. And you don't want to resign yourself and decide ahead of time that nothing good is possible, that no positive change is happening, right? And so if you don't like using words like holding hope, use words like, I'm not going to decide now what's to come because I can't possibly, because I don't know. And I'm going to hold space for not knowing. I'm going to hold space to be curious. I'm going to let the world show me, right? Don't resign yourself because there's a lot of actions we can take, a lot of changes that can be made. And so we want to be able to be a part of that process. Um, When we come back, we're going to continue talking about hope and hopelessness. It's super important very much our mental health. But again, especially after a time like this question of the night, as always is up on our level and IG page. So uh, definitely weigh in on that it's tons of time. And uh, then we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right. So we're back and we're talking about hope and hopelessness and looking at how we want to be very thoughtful about our perspectives and how we engage these topics because it's been a rough year and we're not, we're not downplaying that. We're not minimizing that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the whole year is bad, right? Or what's to come isn't good. So we're talking about extreme thinking. Nothing is all bad or all good, right? We're trying to hold a little space for a bad morning to become a better day, a bad week to become a better week, a bad year to end on a positive note, possibly. And not resigning ourselves and kind of (laughs) committing to however it is we feel or or however it is we think the rest of the year, the rest of the month is going to go because we don't know. You want to hold it very loosely, right? Now, we want to be thoughtful about not isolating, right? Because the more you isolate, the easier it is for you to dig your heels in and get trapped in a certain perspective or mindset. Part of socialization and having friends and being out in the world and engaging others is to come in contact with different thoughts and opinions and different experiences. And that can remind us of what else is going on at the same time that maybe we're struggling or what else is possible. But socialization also distracts us. It doesn't allow us to just hyper-focus and ruminate on everything that's frustrating us or letting us down. Because when you completely block yourself off and you distance Anxiety is going to often increase. Depression gets to really dig deep and take root. And that's not honest. That's more of a side effect of you being left with your thoughts in isolation with nothing to really challenge it or distract you. You're not giving yourself the best shot. And that's why I'm telling everyone, please check in on people. Like I want it to be a collective responsibility. Check in on people, those you haven't heard from and those you have heard from. Let people know that you're there. Let them know you're thinking about them. Connect. But it's on both sides. I want everyone to keep staying connected so as to not allow that space that's so isolated that they can start to really make these decisions and start to really believe that maybe this is all there is or this is all the the way the year is going to be. Because remember... We have to be very thoughtful right now. I'm watching people overly drink. I'm watching some hyper levels of drug use, increased levels of depression, like all these different things are emerging. And I think a lot of that is because we're retreating inward. We've kind of lost the things that traditionally really forced us out of that or occupied some of that space and didn't let us ruminate. Um, So you have to stay engaged. You have to. 
make plans, keep those plans. But bigger than that, just get in the habit of reaching out to multiple people every single day in some form. Really keep close, you know? Um, another thing you can do that's really helpful when we talk about hope and hopelessness and giving yourself the best shot to really, really, really be able to thrive is also what they call acts of service. And for some people that sounds a little too woo-woo, but it's a really good reminder of the fact that there are things that action can work to change. It gets us outside of ourselves, right? It makes us not fixate and obsess on ourselves and our own problems, right? It takes us outside of ourselves. It makes us feel productive. It makes us feel like we're participating in something. It makes us feel good, you know? And so it tackles that. We're not isolated when we're being of service. We're not ruminating and just thinking of ourselves when we're being of service. We're being distracted. We're allowing ourselves to feel good about what we're doing with our time and energy. Um, also things like humor. I know in difficult times it feels odd or awkward to maybe watch a comedy or to call a, a friend that makes you laugh and to just joke and be ridiculous, but it's okay. It's okay in times of, of strife or when times are tough or when you're depressed to also say, I'm also allowed to laugh. I'm also allowed to smile. I'm also allowed to feel good right now. Right. And we talked about that a long time ago when things were really, really first hitting us hard with COVID. And I was saying, it's okay to still be doing okay. You don't need to maybe flaunt that in people's faces that are struggling, but you're allowed to celebrate what successes you're still having and what's going well in your life. Because for some people, things are still going very well and they will continue to, you know, but I don't want people to just completely foreclose on the idea that there's not more to come or shift can't still happen. Um, but you have to allow the space for that to occur, right? We have to create the conditions around which all the things we want can happen, right? It's not, these things aren't going to force themselves into our life. I think that's often one of the most difficult things is when you see someone who's actively working against themselves, you know, where they're doing everything essentially wrong, right? Everything that's going to really help them dig their heels into their current hopelessness. And that's where loved ones have to kind of come in, try to reach out to someone, stay connected, make them laugh, say, do you want to get out of the house? Meet me for coffee. We'll put on our masks, keep a distance. We'll walk around outside for a little bit. Maybe we don't even have to talk about what, what's on your mind. Maybe we can just talk about everything else. Beautiful. Also to just sometimes sit in silence and say, we don't have to talk. Let's just be in the comfort and company of each other you know, but, um, I want us to be, I want this to be like a collective responsibility. I don't want people to feel like they have to go through the holidays and COVID and all the post-election stresses on their own, you know, um, less individualism. That's something I, I kept saying. I was hoping that would come out of this is us thinking more about how we impact others. And again, with the holidays coming, maybe check in on those around you and ask them what they're going to be doing and maybe invite them. Um, if you're going to be doing something safe outdoors and isolated, maybe say, Hey, I know we're not celebrating because we're in a pandemic still, but can we make some holiday plans where we meet outside and go for a walk, which was my earlier example, you know, or just, can we hop on the phone and do a FaceTime hang so we can see each other? All these little things mean so much. There's a beautiful article that went around that someone wrote about how just one person reaching out one random night, checking in on them, save their life because they felt so lonely and so disconnected and so isolated. And just knowing that someone cared and was thinking about them was just the little, little push that they needed in a positive direction. You might get to be that person for someone else, you know, because hope is very difficult for us to hold when we're on our own. So try to be that for someone. 
Um, all right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs and later in the show doing Question of the Night, which is always on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, all right, coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, looking at a quick article here, it's about Miley Cyrus. Uh, she's got two weeks sober. She says she fell off. Uh, Dax Shepard also came forward after many, many years of sobriety talking about relapsing as well. Listen, shakes everyone up. Reminds us that uh, relapse is built into the cycle of change. Anytime you're trying to make a change, whether you're trying to eat more plant-based, bring more movement or exercise into your life, be a better person, get sober, we expect a relapse. It might not always be a full-blown return to use or problematic, but, but it's in there. Often it's just a little bit of a sidestep, but I called out ahead of time, letting people know we don't create a new anything in our lives. And then forever and ever, amen, without fail, we never miss out or lapse. That's just not reasonable. And I'll see that with early sobriety. People build in these wild sobriety plans or even with fitness. I'm gonna start eating this many of calories and work out this often. And I'm like, okay, but also know that there'll be times where that isn't possible or doable. And that's not failure. Expect times where you step outside of these new plans, ideal, ideas, or structures. And that that's not failure. That's not regression. It's part of that. And that's what's hard for some people in sobriety because they're big on counting days. And they put a lot of meaning behind that. And so there's that psychological terror of maybe starting over, but we have to expect some form of sidestepping or backsliding in the stages of change, which is part of inner uh, motivational interviewing. It's well-established. Uh, relapse is built in. It's just a little line off to the side. So um, expect that. I'm not saying allow it. I'm not saying seek it out. But in some form, we're not always going to just be business as usual or always achieving more, right? Such an American concept. More, bigger, faster, always, always. No no sweat, no, you know, no... No pain, no gain. And it's like, what a horrible model. There are limits. There is a, there's a limit. Sometimes we hit the ceiling as, uh, as having done as much as we can within that domain or that thing. Um, companies do that. Always thinking every year should be making more. That's just not reasonable. Um, where's the joy? Where's the rest? You know? So we got to go easy on ourselves. All right, y'all. Time for a DM. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Christine and I've been dating my girlfriend for two years. My family loves her, but every time we go out for a visit, my mom has a problem with comparing her to my exes. Every time they're alone, my girlfriend says that my mom brings up my exes and how she's much better and how they broke my heart and all this stuff. She told me not to confront my mom, but come on, it's been two years and she's still bringing it up. Should I confront my mom? I don't use the word confront because confront always sounds to me aggressive. And this isn't about a confrontation. This is about a conversation. So yeah, lovingly you can say, hey mom, listen, um, I, I get the idea that sometimes when you talk to my girlfriend, you like to discuss comparison and letting her know that she's better than my exes. That makes us both uncomfortable. We're, we're living in the present or we're moving forward. Can you stop bringing that up? Because it's really about boundaries with your mom and impulse control. Your girlfriend isn't interested in setting that boundary with your mom. That's okay. She doesn't want that kind of relationship with your mom because that requires a lot of real intimacy and vulnerability to do that. But you do need to step in. And so I'm okay with you doing so. But just lovingly explain to your mom the impact and ask her to withhold that. And if she's healthy and reasonable, that should be something that's very doable. I mean, this is of all the things that a partner struggles with in their 
partner's parents or someone struggles with their own parents, this is somewhat of a gift of an issue, you know, a loving conversation to please with, withhold or refrain from bringing in the certain kind of thought process. Very reasonable. Uh, let your girlfriend know you're going to do it though, but let her know that that's okay. That's part of intimacy is letting people know how they impact us. I want everyone to be able to have those dialogues. And so we shouldn't have to have secrecy or silence or shame about this uncomfortable topic right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I want us to be able to talk this way. So yeah, lovingly talk to your mom. If your mom's healthy, she'll be glad to have been told that. I want to be told if I'm doing things that upset people I care about. I don't want them scurrying around behind my back afraid to tell me. Tell me. I'll make those changes. You're, you're denying the person there, you know, your mom, her agency, her, men, you know, her respect, her mental health. Tell her. She'll be glad to do it for you. Um, all right. DMs come from my Love Line IG page. Drop them on in there. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how to be a better friend. And these skills apply to all the different relationships in our lives. But uh, the year's winding down. We're taking stock of who we've been, who we don't want to be, looking at all the impact that those in our lives have on us. Important stuff. And then uh, question night, as always, up on our Love Line IG page and the stories. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, friendship, y'all. <laughs> good stuff, but it can also get complicated and difficult. What are the signs of being a good friend? Now, again, we're self-reflecting. We're always also using what we talk about as a way to kind of assess those in our life. But this is one of those segments where I definitely want it to be closer. And I want us to look at who we're being and maybe where our work is. And a lot of things always tie into each other where how to be a good parent is often very similar to how to be a good friend, which is often very similar to how to be a good husband, wife, romance partner, whatever it is, right? It's a lot of the same core characteristics. Um, but let's go through some of the ways that are specifically more about being a better friend. The year's winding down. We've been through a lot. We've learned a lot. We're <laughs> entering a new year. Vaccines are going to be coming out. We're going to be hopefully moving away from, God, all the damage that came from COVID, kind of rebuilding, repairing, re-entering the world. For a lot of us, like myself, we've been self-isolating this whole time. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of reemerge and be able to be more present in our lives, but also more present in the lives of those we care about, including our friends. A lot of distance, a lot of technological use. So excuse me, um, allergy stuff these days. Okay, so the first off is always about how you listen. And that's one of the number one things. This also comes up on uh, dates where working with individuals that are re-entering the dating world and they'll say, well, I was on the date and the person didn't ask anything about myself. Remember, you wanna also make sure you're listening. It, we often talk a lot about ourselves, especially when we're anxious. We just want to fill the space. And we think as long as there's conversation happening, all is well. But are you listening? Are you a good listener? And that's about sitting quiet and really sitting with what's being said. Remember that. It's not just silence. It's that you're tracking what the person is saying. You're fully engaged. You're feeling feelings based on what they're saying. You're thinking thoughts on based on what they're saying. You're with them, right? You're in it. That's active listening. Don't be preparing what you're going to say next. Just be present in what's being said. That is one of the most powerful things you can do is presence. In, and that shows someone that you care. Swoops into that, <clears throat> excuse me, is support. Right, And that kind of dovetails with that because you're listening to what's being said and you're kind of looking for what maybe they need. Do they need someone to just tell them, you're right, that's really horrible, I'm sorry that happened, because that's actually generally the case. 
Few people are looking for a solution, and when they are, they'll tell you generally, but often they just want someone to listen. They want someone to be present. And so being supportive isn't about giving solutions, right? It's just about being available to give them what you think they need, which is to reflect back, man, that's horrible. I'm sorry that that happened. I can't believe they said that. Oh, that sounds really painful. You're kind of just being on the journey with them. But then also there's a follow-up. It can be very vulnerable, right, to express and share certain things. And then when it's never brought up again, we can really still feel alone in what was said. And so there's something really beautiful in following up later that day. Hey, thank you so much for sharing all that with me. How are you now with it? Or the next day, how did all that wind up going? You know, it lets the person know that you're in it with them. And that's that part of, again, presence and support and being a good listener. You're tracking, but you have to follow up, right? Otherwise, again, we feel like we're alone. And part of friendship is to have a companion on our journey with us, right? So the next thing, God bless, and I hate that we have to talk about this, is put your phone down and put your phone away. Nothing says you're not important. Nothing says I'm not really present than picking up or being on your phone when someone's talking to you. And I don't want to hear, well, I can multitask, or I don't want to hear someone say, oh, I can still hear, I'm still listening. No, you can't, and no, you're not. We've talked about that a few times. We can't multitask. That's actually the weakest way to be present and to really fully engage something. And again, it's telling the person in front of you, whatever I'm doing on my phone is more important. And like 99% of the time, what they're doing on their phone is not. So again, I always say to the listener, say to the person on the phone, hey, I'll wait. But if you're on your phone, tell them, hey, give me one second, let me finish this, and then I'll come back to you. But don't try to do both. It's far kinder and more respectful to say, hey, give me one more moment, let me finish this text message, and then I'm fully present with you. And then turn your phone upside down and put it away from you. But I've watched too many conversations where it's just so normalized that people are picking it up and they're listening while they're on their phone, and that's absolutely horrible and very disrespectful. Uh, finally, it's also things like body language. Make sure you're, you're sitting in a way, right? That's letting them know that I'm open. I'm comfortable. And I'm really here with you in this, you know, because if we're looking away, we're turned away, we're distracted by something else in our visual field. That's again, a sign that like, I'm not fully present. I'm not fully here. You're not fully important to me. Because that's what friendship's really based on, is how we feel after we've spent time with someone. That's what makes us want to return and spend more time with them. That's what makes us want to reach out. And uh, if we're constantly having situations where when we're together in any capacity, whether it's the telephone or in real time, not that the telephone is not real time, but face-to-face, we're not going to really feel as though we can circle back. We're going to still feel very much alone, right? So definitely work on those different pieces, but I'm telling you, it's very much about that listening part. There's something so powerful. And again, especially on dates, I can't tell you how many clients come in after dates saying they never asked me a thing about myself and what they were talking about. I had a lot of experience in, but there was never, they never took a breath or opened up space to really let me kind of be present and show up on the date as well. Oh, those don't usually move forward in any way. Uh, question night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page, and then we'll be doing some DMs. So participate in all that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And um, intimacy buffers. So interesting. You know, uh, one of the most powerful things we need as human beings is uh, intimacy, right? And that means having. Um, who we are and the meaningful parts of ourselves reflected back, right? Talk about all the time how 
our sense of self is reflected back to us, right? We can't exist in the world without other humans reflecting back our worth and our value. And uh, that's why we always talk about our mental health is definitely directly related to the health of those around us and how they speak about us, how they make us feel, how they show us who we are. And that's where self-esteem comes from. And so we need intimacy. Our, our brains, again, are social organs. So is our nervous system. Our brain is organized and thrives within relationship and relationships are very powerful, corrective experiences. And without them, we don't thrive. And that's some of what the difficulty and the depression is right now, again, in the world, COVID, not having access to meaningful distractions and connections and resources. But intimacy is really valuable. And we talk about what the most important pieces of intimacy are, right? It's time together, it's touch, and it's eye contact. And that's why long-distance relationships aren't ideal. They're very difficult. They are doable. And you make the best you can. You can't have touch, but you can have as much time together and eye contact because of technology, thankfully. We would not have thrived back in the day if all we had was a telephone without FaceTime capacities. God bless that. Um, But... Again, intimacy is really built on those three factors. So again, if you're not feeling that there's a lot of intimacy in your relationship, that's because sitting next to someone's body watching television is adorable, you can get a lot of touch, but it really feels most powerful when we're making eye contact, intentional touch, and that time together. So really check in on how much of that do we get. Now, part of the problem is what I just said. We have these things called intimacy buffers. These different things that we bring to our lives that really block our ability to fully be present with someone. And it can be anything anything that doesn't allow us to really make that eye contact fully be present and engage. So I always bring up the example of what do you do when you come home? Are you very present looking at whoever's home, connecting with them? Or are you talking from the different floor that you're in? Are you talking while in the shower? Are you talking while making dinner? Are you talking while on the phone? Are you talking while on the computer? Because those things are intimacy buffers. They block. Because remember, we can't multitask. Multitasking is a lie. Our brains are only able to focus fully on one thing at a time. And that's why I say do one thing at a time. But we're trying to do multiple things. Neither one is getting our full attention. And we actually lose quality of attention in the transition back and forth. And so when someone says something to you like, oh, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm just on my phone. No, they they aren't present. And I'm one of those people where I'll say, I'll wait because I know that you can't be present to me and whatever you're looking at on your phone, it's not possible. So we have to get rid of this idea that you can multitask. If you're trying to connect with your partner or your family or friends, focus on that. If you need to do work on your computer, check your phone, ask them politely to pause for a second and do so, but don't do both. That's the intimacy blocker, right? You cooking dinner, great. Pause and come over, say hello, make eye contact, give a kiss, and then say, I'm gonna return to cooking dinner and then we'll check in. I'm not saying you can't have background conversation, but I'm saying that doesn't count as intimacy building. And when our relationship is really built on those moments where we're distracted, It's a problem. Now, first dates thrive with things like that. Some people find in the beginning it too intensive to just meet for coffee and just have complete eye contact staring at each other. Cool, go hiking, go to an art museum, whatever it is, you're allowed to have these buffers that can kind of help us slowly connect to someone, but it's not gonna make us feel as present and as intimate as we could be without some of those factors. Again, nothing wrong with those pieces, but I'm basically saying check in to how often we need those or have those. Because again, the quality of our connection and how safe and comfortable we feel is directly tied to whether or not we have the eye contact and the touch, right? 
and intentional time. So really focus on that because those intimacy buffers abound. There's so many of them. And that's why old school style, we used to do dinner at the table, not dinner while watching television because imagine dinner while watching television. People are watching television. Their bodies are near each other, there's proximity, but that doesn't necessarily build in intimacy. No one's looking at each other or really talking to each other. Again, television, okay, but you really wanna build in those moments. So it's both a commentary on the flaw and the idea of multitasking. Employers only hire people that can focus and do one thing at a time. That's actually where you get the quality of work. But trying to get people to do multiple things doesn't work well. The transition loses something, as does the inability to be present with one thing when we're trying to do multiple things at a time. When we all know that, you know, things fall through the cracks. When you're trying to listen to someone while on your phone, you're not hearing what they're saying. And we know that. We know that from memory testing as well. So just really check in. How often do I have that block or that buffer? And is there a way to pause, connect, and then we can go back to? Because again, we need time away. Even babies have a natural rhythm where I don't remember now what the rhythm is, but it's like a certain number of seconds of eye contact and then they need to break. And then they remake that contact. So we need to kind of oscillate back and forth in and out. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's just when you have nothing but that. Or sometimes in our lives, we need a little bit more. And so we really focus on building those pieces in, right? Because again, it's not just about relational health. It's not just about social health. It's also powerfully about mental health because that's a social thing. We're just now really understanding through this really brilliantly intellectual uh, piece called Interpersonal Neurobiology and Attachment Theory. Both of them tell us that without relationships, we can exist. Without relationships, we have no self-worth. Without relationships, mental health is nothing. That is what it's a part of. We, this whole idea of individualism, doing things on your own, isn't real or honest. We're always literally or symbolically present and utilizing the care of people in some form present or otherwise, there's always others around us. But more importantly, we're more robust and stronger when we ask for help and support. And that's part of this whole idea of more community care, reaching out to others, not trying to do things on your own. Being on your own, isolation, one of the most toxic experiences. So really practice reaching out if you're one of those people that really tends to isolate or work in this individualistic way. We thrive and do far better, which is also why people challenge school. You know, school is very much, you're on your own, you take the test on your own, projects on your own, but the world doesn't work like that. Very few jobs are you on your own. Most of them are team building. School really should be honoring that because school is only there to set you up for the workforce, truly. And it should be collaborative. We should be taking tests together and projects together, everything. Because again, most jobs, you are not on your own against yourself. You're working in teams or in departments. But school doesn't train you to be able to do that. It has you do everything in a solo capacity, some group exercises, but it's usually solo. And then we expect you to understand how to work with a team or a department. It doesn't really translate well like that. So anyway, changes to come. Question of the night coming up next. So still some time to weigh in on that. And then we're going to do some DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, before we get to the question of the night, I wanted to just share this article. This is HuffPo talking about women leaning in and loving their gray hair. Uh, men as well. I don't know why this article is only about females, but uh, everyone I'm seeing on Facebook and Instagram, their hair's grown in. They're letting the natural colors come through. It's not cut. It's not colored. It's not styled. I love it. It's authentic. It's honest. It's liberated. People aren't feeling like they need to always be desirable or attractive. We're kind of just being where we're at. I love that. Let your gray hair show. How stunning. Aging shouldn't be something we're afraid of. We have to get a, we have to get rid of this decline narrative around aging. As though everything gets bad, everything gets 
worse, everything falls apart. No, aging's a gift. Not everyone gets the opportunity to age. We should be proud of it. I don't want to live in a world where people are like, don't ask someone their age. Well, don't ask because we make a lot of assumptions about it. You know, based on this magical number of chronology, we make so many assumptions about who you are, what's possible, can we be compatible? I want us to actually find out who the person is. But in theory, I don't want age to matter. I don't want it to have such a negative connotation that we're always trying to present as younger, you know, using all these different potions and creams and lying about our age and being uncomfortable if someone asks us. It's a horrible thing. Let's get rid of that. And that's why I love letting, seeing people letting their gray out and their hair grow in. It's so beautiful. It's so honest. Let's normalize truth, you know, just moving away from people feeling like they have to present a certain way to be desirable or professional. I, I told you I'm going to keep wearing sweatpants and tracksuits as much as possible. Let I want people moving forward to let their gray hair be there, comb their hair less, less products. All we're centering, we're centering comfort and joy. Truly, that's our that's our goals for 2021. Being more comfortable and more joyous, and not sweating the small stuff like dyeing my hair, worrying about what's going on with my hair. I mean, that's what's been so liberating for me. I I'm so thankful. Oh, just getting back to basics in this time. But all right, now time for question of the night. Question night asks: Are you already thinking about New Year's resolutions? Eighty-three percent said yes. Bam. Y'all are really waiting. I mean, you're all already, I should say. 83% are already thinking about it. What are you guys thinking about? Uh, so here it is. Here's question night. Well, what is it then? First person said to hold people accountable next year. Bam. See, that's the work of a good ally or an activist. Just because so much has happened and Biden's been elected and you know all sorts of changes have been made, the work isn't done. And I love that. Holding more people accountable. Calling them in, which means lovingly having conversations with those around us. Not necessarily putting everything on blast on social media. Again, question night is, are you thinking about New Year's resolutions? If so, what is it? Someone else said, I'm promising myself that when the pandemic is over, that I'm going to say yes more. Take more chances because we never know when it's going to be shut down again. I appreciate that. I know we play it safe, right? I'm tired. I don't know that I want to do that. I don't really feel like being challenged right now. And then the pandemic happens. Everything's taken away from us. And I appreciate that saying next year when we have access to the world, really leaning in more, right? Engaging it deeper, being more present, letting more joy in, saying yes, right? I love that. Question tonight is uh, New Year's resolutions. If you're thinking about them, what are they? Someone else said, my workout plan starts in 2021. Um, yes, I'm also trying to move my body more because movement is healthy in all of its different forms, getting away from how much we weigh, what we look like, because that doesn't matter and focusing truly on health, which is how do we feel in our bodies? Someone else said, uh, I want to start writing more in 2021. This year I was kind of depressed. Yes, but let that depression motivate you. Let that depression be channeled into your work. But yes, write more. We learn so much about ourselves. It's such a great way to do something with all that energy that's inside, right? That those anxieties, those those things that make us sad, uh, things that made us angry, right? We can channel that into something. So I hope that shows up in your work. Someone else said, once the pandemic is over, family and friends all the time. I know that's the other thing, right? We're, we've been so isolated for so long 
that we get to see who we miss and what we miss. And then we remind ourselves, well, in the new year, we can recenter and reprioritize some of those pieces, some of those people, some of those places, some of those things. I never thought I would miss my office so much. You know, I liked driving over there. I liked the neighborhood, walking around, getting coffee. Being home around the clock has been quite depleting and exhausting at times. You know, we want our lives back. But next year will be different. It won't be the same. We won't be going back to normal, which is good because normal had a lot of problems, right? But we can start to decide what do we want to take with us into next year? What parts of ourselves do we want to leave behind? What do we want to see new and different? You know, there's always the ability for some change. So look at different domains of your life. And where do you want to challenge yourself? Where do you want to grow and expand? What risks do you want to take? Some of them can still be done now. You know, the new year is a arbitrary defining point that we don't have to honor. We can start now. You know, we don't have to wait until next year. Kind of start to build those things in now. But um, leave some things behind you. But I like the idea of being a better ally, you know, prioritizing mental health more, more joy and pleasure in our lives. I think we just took a lot of things for granted. So uh, question night, as always, is up on our Love Energy page in the stories. Tomorrow's is already up, so weigh in on that. And uh, coming up next, we are going to be sliding into those DMs to close out the show. Two-minute promise. We'll be back in two minutes. Uh, You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world, and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question about my relationship. So we've been together for about a year. A few weeks ago, I met his family for the first time. In their house, they have a high school graduation picture of him. That's, oh, here we go. That says he graduated in 2009. (laughs) Here it comes. Which would make him 29. Problem is, he told me he graduated high school in 2015. So he's actually 23? I haven't confronted him yet, but I just want to know why he would lie. How can I confirm this? Uh, again, we're not confronting because that implies damage and anger and accusation and aggression. And we don't know what this is about. So I want us to always hold space of neutrality. We don't know what this is about. Just found some new information. Yes, it might be upsetting. We need to bring it forward as always. You do it lovingly and, and in a safe moment, maybe while with his family is not the time, of course. But in a good moment, you can say, hey, listen, I wanted to talk to you about something. When we were at your house, I noticed your graduation date. That would give you a different age than the one you've told me. Can we talk about what that means? Can we talk about why you told me the wrong age? Notice how I'm not accusing, I'm not attacking, I'm not assuming, I'm asking. I'm getting clarity. Why? Because this is a person you care about. You've been with them for a year, you love them. You wanna better understand what what was behind that decision making. It's not right or wrong yet. We're going to hold space. That's what we always need to do. Don't make assumptions. Your friends will say, cut him off, dump him, da da da. No, we always go get more information from the person, one to one connections and relationships. Never make decisions without talking to the person. I don't care what you've been told or what you heard, out of respect, we always go to the person because we want them to always go to us. I would never want someone to make a decision about my behavior without discussing it with me, giving me an opportunity to clarify, to explain, you know? I don't know what that means. And there might be something very reasonable behind it. Maybe there was an error. I don't know. 
maybe he's working through something. Again, I don't know. Maybe when he met you and told you that, he didn't think it was going to go anywhere and it didn't matter and he forgot. Again, I don't know. Not making excuses. I don't think excuses need to be made. He, he misled you. It happens. Not saying it's okay. But I'd want to find out more. You know, we're not going to automatically assume it's bad or wrong. So we're not going to confront, but we're going to lovingly ask. And you're going to go in there at the place of neutrality and curiosity. Curious to understand what that's about. Couldn't tell you why, you know, but this is where you're practicing good relational skills. It always matters. There's no topic where the way you deal with it doesn't matter or count. And you're letting him know, hey, I'm safe to tell difficult things to because watch how I'm asking and engaging this topic. And that'll help build in that he'll come to you in the future if there's something else that needs to come to you with, you know, because you're entering from a place of love and uh, holding space. I don't know what kind of relationships he's had before, you know, but know that every new relationship we enter often has to deal with some of the damage of the ones before. Um, but 23 versus 29, yeah, there's <laughs> something reasonable in that. I'm not sure how old you are. I don't know why this person needed to present as a different age, but curious to find out more. So feel free to circle back and let us know, you know, always good stuff. Um, all right, y'all. If you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com as well as checking out my show. I'm listening live. It's always celebrities, experts talking about COVID, self-care, mental health, and that's every Thursday live streaming on all the radio.com handles, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on their uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So check that out. Question of the night for tomorrow is already up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. And if you got a DM, you can drop it in the DMs on our Loveline page. If there's something you're wondering about, thinking about, or trying to problem solve, hit us up with it. You know, someone else is probably struggling or battling the same thing, and our friends, as much as we love them, don't always have the best advice for us. Sometimes they're, um, you know, giving advice from their own anxiety or their fears. So uh, anyway, center the rest of your night in some self-care. Find some joy. Find some rest. Find some pleasure. You earned it. Self-care, self-care. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. So uh, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me and you enjoy the rest of your night.